Welcome to Season 2 of Visiting's radio show, where we talk to artists who are engaged with the public outside traditional exhibition spaces. I'm Alan Nakagawa. Tanya Aguaniga is an interdisciplinary artist and educator who has a rich history in developing art projects around the subject of the U.S. and Mexico border, uh, starting with her own individual and family history, but also participating in the border art project in the 1990s. Tanya has since been working as a solo artist, continuing her work around the issues of the border and co-founded the arts collective Ambos. You can view all of the work we reference in this episode and more at tanyaaguaniga.com. That's T-A-N-Y-A-A-G-U-I-N-I-G-A.com. Okay, my name is Tanya Aguiniga. Um... My title, I guess, is artist to encapsulate many things. <laughs> yeah. In the 90s, mm-hmm. you mentioned uh, you were part of the, the border project. Mm-hmm. Um, could, could we talk a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so I... Um, what year are we talking about? We're talking 97. Um, so I um, graduated from high school in 96. Um, and, you know, because um, my, you know, my parents hadn't gone to school in the U.S. Um, they didn't know, like, the U.S. system of, like, school or whatever. Um, and And at that point, I don't know if anybody really knew, like... Like how you get into college? I don't know. Um, you mean like in, in my family? family? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if anybody, um, yeah, knew things like oh, like you should take an SAT, oh. or you know, like things like that. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, um, I had never been into an art museum. I had never, um, like been exposed to art other than um, going to see murals like Chicano murals in like Chicano Park in San Diego. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was only the because, Mecca. yeah, and that yeah. was only because my dad would take me there sometimes to see like lowriders. Oh. Um, yeah, so it wasn't even like, like, look at this art, you know, it was like, let's go check out these cars. And but then that's a museum. Yeah. Yes, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Urban, that's urban museum. museum. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I didn't have like a, you know, like a path that I was on, I guess. Um, and so I decided to go to community college when I graduated from high school. And then um, at that point, um, I had been um, let go, technically laid off um, from my job. I was a, um, a project manager for a, a Hispanic marketing research firm. So I okay. would do like the phone calls and ask like like latinos all over the u.s like did you get the packet of like downy did you use it how was it you know or like what diapers do you use (laughs) stuff like that (laughs) so 
I had been really horribly sexually harassed for two and a half years. Oh, no. um, and so then when I finally like complained about it after the person locked me in a room and pulled down his pants, um, I got let go. And oh. so then I got let go. And um, so I was like, I don't know what to do. Uh, so I got to look for a job. I guess I always kind of was interested in something artistic. So then I... Uh, went to a museum, the San Diego Museum of Art, and I was like, I guess I'm gonna ask for a job because I guess I like art. <laughs> and so then I, I went there and I asked for a job, and they hired me two hours later. Um, Wait, walk me through that. Yeah. So, um, you know, because so I became a project manager at this little company when I was 16. Oh. So I was like in charge of. Um, like I was the only like Procter and Gamble like certified like trainer. I was like, um, like making like all kinds of like training manuals. I was like in charge of a lot of people, but I was this really young woman. Right. Um, and so I've always just been like super, um, like driven and like have always excelled at stuff. Um, and part of that, um. I'm assuming my parents aren't going to listen to this. So part of that is because of being a child of an alcoholic. Um, so there's, I guess it's like, um, like typical, um, like, uh, personality trait of like people that, that grow up with like that type of abuse in their household. Um, that the only way you feel you can like control the outside world or the world inside your home is by like over excelling mm. um at least that's what the like cognitive therapist told me <laughs> so <laughs> um so anyways um so i was already like pretty good on paper even though i was only like 18 oh my god um so then um yeah so then when i applied for a job at the museum like i already knew like I knew like how to do like MS-DOS, like some like computer, really like, you know, early computer programming stuff, like how to set up a bunch of systems. I was like super professional. Um, like the company I worked for even like sent me like on, like to train people like while I was in high school, wow. um, like in different cities and stuff. Um, but so anyway, so I applied for this job and it was like, you know, minimum wage, like signing people up for memberships. Uh, so then, yeah, so I got hired within two hours. Um, and so then I was like, well, uh, you know, that so that was my first experience with like, you know, like art inside of museums. Um, and so I was like immediately really, really um, like obsessed uh, mainly with, um, with this Joseph Albers painting. Wow. Um, and I was also really obsessed with Robert Irwin's work. Mm. So I was, um, starting to get a little bit more interested in art. Um, and so then in community college, I was like, oh, I should take, uh, like some art classes. So the first class I took that was art related was called, um, history of film as art. Um, and so my professor for that class was Michael Schnorr, who was one of the founders of the Border Art Workshop. And so Michael, ah. yeah, and so Michael would talk to us about all of these different, um, like, political movements in Latin America and outside, like, in, you know, the rest of the world, um, would talk to us a lot about, um, 
like struggles that happened like within our community in like San Diego and in Tijuana and border issues. And so like being someone, you know, that grew up crossing the border every day, um, whose family like suffered a lot of the different things that he would talk to us about in class. Um, like I immediately connected and was, you know, like, oh my God, like, you know, like the type of person that always stays after class to help the teacher like pack up, like, you know, like clean up or whatever. And so then I would talk to him about like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, you know, like you're talking about this documentary about the closing of this cannery, like my my aunt worked at the cannery, it really affected my family, like all these different things. Um, and so then, um, yeah, so then we, we started becoming friends. And then um, once he learned, you know, that I had crossed the border every day and kind of my um, relationship to um, like immigration and like. So I grew up a few blocks away from the border fence on the Mexican side um, and, you know, saw like on a daily basis, like thousands of migrants like lined up against the fence trying to cross, um, you know, witnessed some of them often like getting like run over um, and had just like a really, um, yeah, like deep tie to, to immigration issues. Um and so he was working on a project that was about immigration issues um, that was pushing back against Operation Gatekeeper. Um, and so then he asked me if I was interested in helping in this mural they were doing. But I had never, like, painted anything. I had never, like, I still didn't have any, like, formal education in, like, art making. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, saw that I had, like, a really intuitive... Um, I guess like spatial understanding um, and like really um, like good work ethic um, and yeah and I think just like I remember like one of the first things um, so he gave me this this uh, paint can and then he said oh you know like we're gonna do this I don't we were using it was red black and white so he I don't know what color he gave me, but he gave me something. And then um, he said, oh, yeah, you know, just put this in this cup and then um, let, you know, you can come over here to help us with this part of the mural. Um, and so I poured the the paint into the cup and then I automatically cleaned the, you know, that the rim, rim of uh-huh. the can, um, you know, to, and then like sealed it back up. And, he's, and he looked at me and he said, if you've never painted before, how come you know how to do that? And I said, well, because you shouldn't let it drip. You should clean it up and like keep, like protect the paint from drying, right? And so he was like, oh, you know, so it was like little things like that that he wow. was like, oh, I, you. You you, you did that intuitively. Yeah, but I was like, well, it makes sense. You don't just make a mess. Like, right. you know, you like should treat things with respect and and you should. Yeah. So I think um, like because of the stuff like that, like we had like a pretty amazing way of working together mm-hmm. where we both kind of knew what needed to get done without talking, you know, mm-hmm. like he could be on one side, I could be on another side and we would just both manage like people around us, take care of stuff. If somebody's standing there, you say, Hey, well, you know, what's up? What are you doing? You want to like, why don't you take this broom and you can like, you know, get started on this. So we just, um, yeah, we're the type of people that were just kind of constantly like, just getting shit done um and so like i remember talking to him like i was like i don't even know how he had done a bunch of work in afghanistan and croatia 
um you know was this really like uh like a person that knew a lot because he was obviously older and like like you know had been doing art for so long um like I remember I was like how do you even know like what happens in the world like how do you I don't understand how one even like accesses outside of like your own reality Mm. um and it was before the internet you know so um he's like just listen to NPR and I was like oh shit okay like it's that easy you know but when you're (laughs) when you don't come from right you know you're from like a different culture and like a different like class and you know and your family are like immigrants who are worried about very different things and you know then like um i guess like educated you know like liberal people that have some time on their hands or maybe have a car right you know um like it's it's hard to access those like communication methods or like knowledge methods you know yeah so my aunts um you know because they all had a really big stake in raising me yeah so then everybody yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. um but yeah but my sisters and i yeah we were trying to figure out like how did this happen um and we kind of like traced um like my path into the arts and my path into like this way of working in the arts um to my friend michael and um so Michael and I worked together at this community center that the Border Art Workshop um, built and that we like co-ran to teach um, like arts literacy to kids and different like art programs that we had for um, children in this like it was a land squat. Um, so there was no education. There was no formal education, no schools. There was no um access to like electricity water all of the houses were built out of trash from the u.s um this really um like incredible autonomous community uh outside of tijuana and so um when i started working there my sisters were little Mm -hmm. they were um so if i was 19 carla would have been 11 when i started there and marisa would have been eight Oh my so they were little kids when I started working there. And so then, um, you know, I wanted to expose them to like other ways of life and for them to know like, oh, not everybody's parents work in the U.S. and have access to like take you to Disneyland to pay for you to, you know, go to a good school because they grew up differently than I did. Um, and so then I wanted them to, yeah, to spend time like helping children that were the same age as them and like volunteering. Um, So then I would take them with me to work in the community center. Um, And so, yeah. So Michael, like, like really like changed the path for like me and my sisters. Mm. Yeah. And Michael, um, yeah. Committed suicide in 2012. So it was like also like a big part of, um, yeah. Of me returning to work at the border. Um, yeah, it was like kind of following, um, continuing the legacy of like, yeah, of the things that I had been taught in terms of like collaboration and like the power of art and like the power of community. (laughs) 
like pays tribute to like the power of like mentorship and of having a teacher or like a person in your life an adult I guess in your life um that notices you and treats you with respect Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know and so I think um like because of having seen how that can like change people's lives um like I take it really seriously to like help younger people in my community like you know my sisters obviously but also um yeah just younger generations of people um especially like younger generations of like immigrants um because it's just such a crazy ass system like it just and it's not like the system of art isn't set up for for people that don't come from money to succeed right. you know and yeah. so um and like navigating you know how to work within that system and like still take care of yourself is really crazy and daunting and sadly like pretty rare um so when i was part of the border art workshop uh in the 90s um i just kind of learned that there's just a lot of stuff that um that we all benefit from doing when you kind of let go of ownership Mm -hmm. um and that in order to get stuff done for like a cause larger than our individual like names or individual like um like things interests um yeah you kind of just have to trust other people um and also know like your own limitations but also know that you're not good at everything um and so you know it took me a while like in my work to even like let go of like oh i want to do like every single part of that and then it takes me like you know 80 hours to do this one simple thing where like i know like oh like there's this person that said they'll do it for a hundred bucks and i know they'll do it in two hours (laughs) you know (laughs) so then it's kind of also knowing like how to value your own time right uh but also valuing other people's time creating job opportunities like for our own communities um and like helping i guess to like lift up more people through our opportunities so you said it was good to take a break mm-hmm. what did you mean um it's just been i think it's been so much um i think like attention on the border that i just keep getting asked to like constantly travel and talk about like border issues and border art um yeah and sometimes it can be a little re-traumatizing um yeah so it was nice to to be greeted so warmly and yeah yeah, and to see a friendly face today yeah um when you walked in Mm -hmm. you were you were you had just been listening to the impeachment yeah so yeah i mean it's kind of the same thing yeah so it's it's hard because um you know i think so many of us are just constantly like obsessed with checking the news just to see if there's anything new that happened if there's any yeah anything that kind of 
sways the direction of the government our way, I guess, meaning a more liberal and like inclusive and like just way. Um, yeah. So then I keep having to like listen to to what's going on. Um, but sometimes it just gives me too much anxiety. And today I was hopeful that it was because it sounded a little bit like more positive. Mm-hmm. At least people were like, weren't speaking in really like aggressive, like accusatory ways in the morning. And then now they did it again. So, <laughs> yeah. so I was like, oh, shit. What what made you make the group? Or is it a group or organization? How do you, or collective? How do you I guess that? it's a, like a super loose collaborative. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I... But you lead it. Yeah. Um, and so I started Ambos in the beginning um, just to do like a one-time project at the U.S.-Mexico border in San Isidro. But on the Mexican Ooh. side, so at the border crossing, like at the port of entry in San Isidro. Um, and that's the border crossing that I crossed every day, um, like from age like four to 18 um, to go to school in the U.S. Um, and so I started it just to kind of draw attention to like my community, which is my community of like transnational like population. So all of us that go back and forth all the time on the border. Um and to kind of like give that community a little bit of a of a bigger platform mm. um, to speak and you know to be heard, but also to be taken into consideration more by like the U.S. like U.S. policies and U.S. communities, and you know just to to make our experience more visible because um, the majority of us kind of you know go through the not kind of we all go through the process of. Um, of like living in one country and making a living or studying um, in another country. Um, So we all kind of have to do so like under the radar. Um, And it's a pretty like stigmatizing experience. Um, So yeah, so initially I started ambos just, yeah, to do something in San Isidro. And then um, after realizing the power of, giving people a platform and checking in with people um, and letting our experiences be heard. Um, Then I decided to take it across the whole U.S.-Mexico border. Um, And so then that required like a big team of us um, because, yeah, I couldn't do all of the organizing myself. um, And then also, yeah, I didn't want to like travel like across the border like just by myself like right. sadly trying to do something you know uh, no, so yeah, no. yeah so part of it was kind of um like sharing some of the emotional burden with others that i trust um but also you know making sure that all of the people involved were people that were also like really incredibly tied to issues of identity um issues of the border or issues of migration. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so then I made sure that everybody that was kind of part of of this big collaborative experience um, also brought a different thing um, to the group. So like somebody that's really good at working with community and working with children, like, um, like that person would be in charge of that. 
um, somebody that's really good at organizing, like that person would be in charge of like all of the research and um, putting partnerships partnerships in place so that we could have like safe passage in every single place we stopped and have like artist liaisons. Um, and we had, um, you know, a different person doing photography, different person doing video. Um, yeah. So it was kind of like trying to figure out what everything was that we needed and then trying to find people that could help me get that stuff done that also like really cared about the border. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And so then, um, so we spent three years, um, yeah, traveling the border, not like three years consecutive, but, um, yeah, over three years, we got the whole border, um, covered and like documented. Um, and so then through that experience, we also like started learning a lot more about each other, each other's connections to the border, um, and kind of helped each other. I think really deal with um with a lot of like really heavy loads we had all been carrying um in relation to the border or migration mm. yeah do do you find um that these individuals were in communities where they couldn't share that information like they were holding it in um yeah because i think we all hold it in um, because you don't, you know, you don't usually get asked how you feel. Um, you know, like you get asked how you are, but you don't get asked how you feel ever. Mm. Um, probably by anybody, you know, <laughs> unless yeah, it's yeah. like your friend and they know you're sad or something. Um, but we were specifically focusing on people's emotional state and their emotional experiences of the border and like their lived experience of the border. Um, and so, yeah, so this project called the Border Kipu, which was part of the, the Ambos project, um, was all about, um, yeah, asking people how they felt and to, like, write a brief reflection of, like, their life at the border and, like, how their life is, you know, in relationship to living close to the border, making a living at the border or just, like, existing at the border. So you're making yeah. a differentiation between uh, the questions, how do you feel? Uh -huh. How are you? Mm -hmm. And maybe even, what do you think? Mm -hmm. I mean, these are, it's maybe semantics, but, but yeah. so you're, can you talk about the difference in language? Yeah. Um, and maybe even policy? Yeah. Well, and we, um, we the way we, we phrased it like on the like actual um like cards that we gave people um and this is every person that was open to talking to us and to interacting with us um on the mexican side of the entirety of the border like at every port of entry um was is like the logistics of it um but we on the card it says what are your thoughts um, so we kind of left it super open by just saying like, what are your thoughts? Okay. Um, until sometimes we would get stuff that was about like, it's hot outside or, you know, like there should be bathrooms or, you know, like yeah. I'm incapacitated and there should be like a, like a person of like, like, um, we call it like third age. Like a person of like, you know, like an elderly person line or like a 
disabled oh, line, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? So there was some stuff that would actually like relate specifically to policy and like change of, um, yeah, like discrimination, like anti-discrimination stuff for like, um, yeah, for people that are able-bodied or not or whatever. Um, but yeah, a lot of the stuff, I think um, like when we talk about like, things like oh like i guess like how do you feel um it would make it kind of confusing for people you know because they didn't know exactly like what we wanted them to write about and so Mm -hmm. we would just kind of leave it super open to them and then stuff would come back differently um but i guess yeah like a lot of the stuff on the border is really vague um and nobody really knows any rules nobody really knows like how we're supposed to be treated um like as people by like either government or how we're supposed to be treated as humans by like the border patrol so we're all kind of constantly like in fear of having done something wrong even though we haven't Mm -hmm. um so for the most part people don't express opinions about um yeah like that because everybody's a little bit scared mm-hmm. of like them closing the border or like not being able to go back and forth or yeah just like our relationship between like the u.s and mexico being somehow um like halted you know because at the border everything is so symbiotic um where there's this really natural flow um and yeah so i think i don't know it's hard to answer like how the the three different things relate to to policy because I think that they're all kind of lumped into one big gray zone mm-hmm. um, where I think a lot of um, the policy at the U.S.-Mexico border is just kind of set up to dehumanize anyone that's an other. Um, and so, yeah, so it all kind of is just set up to, to kind of... Um, like keep up like institutional racism Mm. you know um and like classism Mm. um because even like a normal person that doesn't have money can't get a visa to come to the u.s even as a tourist Mm. like you have to have a certain amount of money in the bank you have to be enrolled in higher education or have like a really good job like you have to have all these different things that you prove that you know so that you're not just coming here and like staying here so it's just a really weird um, like filtration system mm-hmm. um yeah it's set up for like a like an anglo focused like capitalist you know like promotion of like american ideals i guess mm-hmm. so like we would come go up to somebody and say hi we're doing this art project um where we're documenting like border emotion could you mm-hmm. tell us could you, you know, make this knot for this collaborative piece that's, you know, going to encapsulate the emotion of your town? Um, and people would just say, no, 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 thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you. Um, and then, you know, sometimes people would would participate. Um, but, yeah, they would do so, like, still be kind of afraid. Um, so we would have to just navigate situation to situation, like, yeah how much we could talk to people and how much people were saying and also kind of like read between the lines 
with a lot of people's interactions where, um, you know, somebody's like, everything is fine. And they're like shaking and looking behind their back. Mm. And, you know, so there's a lot of stuff um, that is also like not in the cards that we like physically experienced or yeah. observed like in different places. Is that um, also documented? So we have to figure out like how to like how do we talk about all of that, you know, um, I mean, like observations. Yeah. So we still have to like learn like how um, how to go about. Yeah. Yeah. Like quantifying, I guess, like our lived and like witnessed experience. <laughs> How big is the group now? Um, so there's only six of us. Oh. Yeah. So there's only six of us. Um, and we like still like we'll loosely get together and like work on stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but it's mainly um, because I have to write all the grants. Like yeah. I do all the, you know, like sadly, like it's still like everything's kind of like I'm the, you know, the, the most known of us. Um, then I have to get all the funding through like my studio um and so then yeah so then we'll i'll get asked to do a show and i'll say oh you know we should do something about you know this part of the ambos project and kind of expand some of the things we were working with um and then everybody will kind of come in um to do like different parts that um that are more like in their like wheelhouse yeah you know so mm -hmm. like um so like natalie um Godinez, who's one of um the ambos team members um like she's really she really likes working with children and doing like art education and like curriculum development um and so then like we'll ask natalie like hey like do you want to work on like the k-12 like curriculum development for like this part of this exhibition and um jackie um amesquita is at ucla right now studying um she's a performance artist so then we'll say jackie you know do you want to do this do you want to jump in on anything or you want to come up with what you want to do um but if you want to do performance you could do performance you know so then we'll kind of all just talk about yeah like Good. what's going on and where are opportunities for them to also like grow their career as like younger women than i um and where I can kind of like help, you know, like, like through my experience and I guess exposure, you know, over there the years, um, like how I can help them also. That concludes another episode of Visitings. Thank you to Tanya Aguaniga for taking the time to visit us and participating in our show. You can find more episodes of Visitings Radio Show at SoundCloud, iTunes, or on our website, visitings.net. If you visit us on SoundCloud or iTunes, please leave a comment so more people can learn about our show. I'm Alan Nakagawa sitting in my living room in Koreatown saying thank you for listening to Visitings. Visitings.